Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. Right, it's Auto Dealer Live Day. This is Dave Bill. I'm here with my co-host, friend, colleague, Dave Cribs. What's up, my friend? Oh, brother, I'm doing well, doing well. Hey, I've missed you the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, man, I've missed being here. You and, know, when uh, you miss two weeks, you're actually... <laughs> fired. It's, no, it's actually a month in between shows. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. I say it again. If you miss two weeks, mm-hmm. it's really a month between shows. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, because it was the first week and fourth week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. it's, uh, it seems like you've been gone forever, man. Well, man, I'm glad to be back. And uh, you know, I, I, last week my son graduated from college, and uh, so I'm a proud, proud dad. There, been a proud dad, uh, all three of my kids, and and uh, but got to celebrate, um, you know, something that's an amazing feat as our dear Taria here graduated as well this past Saturday. So, um, I mean, shout out to to every graduate. I mean, these, these, Absolutely. these individuals are, are uh, doing something that's getting incredibly more difficult. I think as time goes on, because it's so competitive and, um, and there's such a, such a high expectation. So um, week before that was doing some traveling and um, just came out of the, off the heels of my uh, 25th anniversary, a lot of traveling for events. And so glad to be back and glad to be back here with you. And what a great Dave topic. Mm that I get to come back to. What a great story that we get to come back to. We're talking customer experience today, and we're going to kind of hit it from a different slant. And uh, I, I want to I kind of, let me, let me just bring up some yeah. of these statistics and some of the things that are really out there. You know, um, Timkins uh, has done some research, wrote an article uh, in Auto Dealer Monthly um, that Toyota, Honda, are topping the um, customer experience ratings. And the automotive industry has had an overall drop, though. So we're going to talk to um, uh, some GMs, some owners today, some GSMs. And uh, we're going to bring them on in just a minute. We're going to kind of ask them what they're doing um, to keep those numbers. Because we know that the individuals we have on the show today are, um, are probably at the top of their game not probably, they're at the top of their game, not only in a sales environment, but with a customer service um, aspect. They're looking at the process on a continual basis. But the auto industry as a whole, man, um, looking at this, uh, this article here, 318 companies across 20 different industries were, were placed out there and looked at. And they took a sampling of 10,000 U.S. consumers and, and, and asked them how to rate customer experience from their recent experiences in these industries, Dave, and they based it on success, effort, and emotion. And, and kind of the, to kind of break that down, success, and that is, you know, did I get my way? Is the process the way I need it to be? Am I able to buy my way? And that's the success aspect. Then there's the effort aspect. How easy was it to work with that company? And then finally, the emotional aspect, and that is how 
do you feel, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, about your experience? Success, effort, and emotion, and that's how this was rated. And uh, the auto industry as a whole, folks, we're talking about this customer experience on a regular basis. We want you to weigh in today. We want you to call in. We want your questions. And um, But customer experience is at the forefront, and the auto industry dropped from 2017 to 2018. So if it was bad last year, statistically, it's worse this year as a whole. Why? Well, great question. You know, it's funny because we talk, we've been talking so much lately with dealers over the last several years about how important the customer experience is, right? And those who tune in, those who watch the show, and I think we're at a little bit of a disadvantage in one way, Dave, and that's the fact that, you know, I mentioned last week when you weren't here how I felt like we were doing a much better job as an industry. And I think that I felt that way because I'm a little tainted by the fact that those who tune into our show, Dave, would you agree with this? Those who tune in, those who are our guests, mm -hmm. those who go out of their way to find out how can we make it better and better and better, those are the people who are doing well typically. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, absolutely. So, Amen to that. So I, you start feeling like we're doing better, yeah. but... Well, birds of a feather. You know, my, my, my dad always taught me that if you want to be an eagle, stop hanging out with turkeys. So you don't hang out with a turkey. I don't hang out with a turkey, right? We're eagles, um, and, and either we hang out with eagles or we mentor people who are on their way to their eaglets, right? They're like, they're like, they're, they're on their way. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, you know, you don't have, you know, you don't have any turkeys walking around with you. And so, you know, if you hang out with turkeys, you're going to end up on the plate at Thanksgiving. Right, right. You know, which, which is pretty good. And, and, and I mean, you know, it's pretty good to eat, but it's not good to be. But you know what? You, you're right. Sometimes it's jaded or tainted right. because we, we, we think it's getting better because every week our audience grows. Every week we're introduced to more uh, people in this great industry that are doing it right. And I think that that's a good step. It's really, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's evangelism for the auto industry. <laughs> right. One by one, you're winning them over. And the reality is, though, as a whole, Right. As a whole. And so if you're listening, you're probably not even watching this show. Right. You're probably not even tuning in unless you're trying. And so hats off to you. But, Dave, really what we've got to do is we've got to make a difference to the dealers around us, because this is an industry as a whole. And the customer perception, even if you are a dealership that's doing it right. Right. What hurts your message is the dealers that are doing it wrong because if you're in a if you're in a community where the dealerships that are doing it wrong outweigh the ones that are doing it right then the consumers are expecting to be treated wrong and that's where they hate coming into the business and go or, or hate going through the experience so it hurts the ones that are doing it right yeah there's no question about that you know um one thing i would sort of uh kind of maybe argue or try to play devil's advocate here on the actual uh survey is the fact that number one, we know when consumers are surveyed, Dave, they're going to judge auto dealers maybe a little bit more harshly than most other industries. You know, right. they compared this to 20 different industries, and overall, the auto industry ranked 12th. Okay, out of 20. Out of 20. Um, but the things that you mentioned, the way that they graded the survey, like you know how what how how good how. How, those other how, industries how pleased yeah i know like right dentist how pleased you know, was i with the fact that, <laughs> you know like, right <laughs> was the process done the way i wanted to do it was right. one of the questions the success the effort how easy was it for to you know to walk through that process and what were the emotions how did i feel walking through that well we have a couple think factors that a lot of these other industries i would argue do not have one would be the fact that when you talk about emotions how do i feel well 
don't forget that we're talking about the second largest purchase right. that someone has. And yeah. we're also talking about an automobile, which arguably could be the most emotional purchase, right? Um, and the yeah. other thing that I would argue probably even more is the top one about success, being able to do it my way. Right. Look, we know what the consumers want. I don't think there's any question about that. They want it fast. They want it fair. They want it quick. They want all those things. They want it to be easy. But it's not a Zappos shoe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's something completely different. It's an automobile. And, right. it, and so that's you brought up a good point, Dave, because if you're watching, we'd love you to weigh in on this topic as well, because, look, you're in the auto business and it's not enough to say absolutely. Amen. We need to change it all up. We need to scrap what we do and we need to copy what Apple does, you know, and I know that we've got some guests on that. I already know how uh, some of them think. And of course, they're very successful. Every person that's coming on today is extremely successful, although they differ in some of the fundamental opinions. They all are successful and they care about moving this business forward and respect one another's opinion. However, I would say this, it is the second biggest purchase and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say this, that you may not hear somebody on the show today saying, Hey, just throw out everything you do, right? Take every single thing that we've learned about the business and just throw it away, start over and just become you know, what this company does or what this, that company does, because the reality is you are dealing with multifaceted components. You're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, it's, it's, it's intricate, you know, it's not just cut and dry. And um, so there, so it's not enough to say, Hey, this is not working. It's, it's, I think what I want to hear today and hopefully what you want to hear audience, and hopefully we get this from our guests. What are some measurable practices? Because not, listen, the industry, we're not saying the auto industry sucks at this because there's some makes that have it right. You know, Toyota was ranked number one. And and by the way, there are 73%. So if you look at the statistics here, anybody rated uh, over 70 is good. So Toyota 70 is first, Honda second, Ford's third. I'm not going to go down them all. But we have five makes represented today, and all five are in the top ten. And uh, four of them are in the top five of, of all makes. So we've got some that are not only doing it right, but they're part of a make uh, uh, that's doing it right and a manufacturer, uh, you know, a, a make that's doing it right as well. So um, I think we're going to hear a lot of great uh, perspective today and insight. And I'm excited to get and dig into this. It's impossible not to get some great insight with Brian Benstock, Jess Katz, David Moss, Flo Lopez, and Matt Lasko. How can you go wrong? Yeah, I had the privilege. I mean, Matt's, Matt's, Matt's been on the show uh, many, many, many times. I mean, just probably one of the most w- well-respected um, dealers in the industry, in the, in the nation. And not because, you know, he was 64th in the nation and Ford, I think, last month, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many, but there's a lot of Ford dealers. But um, it's, 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 it's more because of the, the fact that the ideas that Matt, it, that Matt implements, if implemented into bigger markets, he's in a town of 12,000, for goodness sakes, right? I mean, he's pulling outside of his PMA, according to the manufacturer. But if you implement some of these ideas that I know Matt practices, he'd be probably number one across the board. Um, and, and, of course, we have number one, Brian Benstock and Honda. But uh, also David Moss. Um, I love David. Great guy. Got a chance to meet him. Um, uh, and spent some time with him at Digital Dealer. Had him on my panel last month, and he is the uh, executive manager at Moss Nissan. His uh, father's the D 
dealer and uh, uh, sold some stores in Orlando or over in Newport Ritchie. By the way, Newport Ritchie is the market where John Marazzi has Sun Toyota that's crushing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's in the market where the number one Hyundai store in the world is located. Right. It's in the market where the number four Kia store in the world is located. And there's David Moss at Moss Nissan. So he has to be doing it right, right? Compete. And one of the things I'm interested to talk to David about as well is how he's implementing um, his unique approach to his staff and to his people in dealing with this customer uh, service issue in the car business. And he's got some great perspective as well. And so you're in for a treat. I think we're in for a treat. I think we are too. We're going to have a great panel. We're going to come right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll see you in just a moment. You're watching Auto Dealer Hey, Live. make sure you share. We're going to give oh, some yeah. stuff away today. Lou, grab some that. hats. I'm going to give away some hats today. We've got Leader Be Lunch hats. We've got Serial Sales Academy hats. We've got some hats we're going to give away. Share. Everyone that shares this broadcast right now is in the drawing for a hat. These are cool as the other side of the pillow hats. I promise you they are. They're our brand here. You can't get them anywhere else. And I can tell you that everybody wants one uh, that's connected with us. And so we're going to give some hats, plural, away today, Taria. And Taria is going to tell us who wins at the end. All you got to do is share. Just share it. When you share it, you're in the drawing, and we'll give the hats away. When we get back from break, we'll have the hats sitting here on our desk uh, to show you what they look like. I guess we'll be right back. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're watching Auto Dealer Live. We've got our great panel today. We're talking about the customer experience we were just talking about in our opener, um, how the car business in general, according to Timken's 2018 customer experience ratings in their uh, in Auto Dealer Monthly, just talked about the fact that we've dropped as an industry. We're rated number 12 out of 20 industries. And um, we have, gosh, three or four of the top 10 anyway in customer satisfaction that are doing it right on our panel today. So I want to welcome to the show Brian Vince. Okay, wait a second. Before we bring him on, let me just make sure one more time. Because we want you to share the show. Share the show. We're giving away these hats, and we're going to give them away today. Right? Serial Sales Pro Leader Be Lunch. I like the green. We got IPD hats. We got the book here hat sales pros get paid they all have the signature my signature on the side of it here we've got two books we're going to give away leader be lunch and then we've got sales pros get paid amateurs don't i'll sign these for you we're going to give them away every one of these today so we're going to give one two three four five six people are going to win prizes all you got to do is share and then we're going to pick the winners out and announce them at the end of the show Awesome. Hey, so we've got Brian Benstock, GM and uh, VP at Paragon Honda. We've got Jess Katz, GSM at Red Wing Chevrolet. David Moss, Executive Manager at Moss Nissan. Flo Lopez, Digital Strategist at VehicleReferrals.com. And Matt Lasco, Vice President at Lasco Auto Group. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello there. Glad to be on. All right. Well, let's start the show. You know, let's go over to uh, Brian uh, Benstock. And Brian, you know, you're 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 number one with Honda. Uh, you're doing things that are incredible, and uh, we want to thank you first of all for taking the time to be on the show today. And let's talk about this for a moment. This customer experience. You know, uh, Toyota and Honda seem to be leading the way. So we know that you guys are doing something right. And I know that you're a progressive thinker, Brian. Uh, I know that you know you've talked very um, uh, passionately about the fact that you believe that we need to kind of evolve uh, the sales process. Where, what is your feeling about where we're at? Is the industry moving in the right direction? I know you are, possibly. But what about this uh, recent article that says many dealers are dropping? 
Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's really a, a, a privilege to be here with you and especially uh, to talk about this uh, topic. I'm very passionate about it. And I, I need uh, to, uh, to say just a couple of quick things. One, please stop making excuses for us. We will not get better so long as we start making these excuses that we're the second largest purchase and it's a complicated product and it's a complicated process. We, we've got to really stop making excuses, otherwise we're going to be history. Uh, I, I think Honda and Toyota have had some very good success with customer satisfaction, and I think that's um, because they, they get it. Uh, there's a blended approach between uh, Tier 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and, and, and I think that that goes a long way towards um, getting uh, the dealers to do a better job serving their customers. Um, my feelings are that the dealers are doing a better job than ever before. The challenges were moving so slowly compared to the other industries that we compete with. And the other industries are not necessarily automotive. They're, you know, of course, the Amazon, Apples, Google, Facebook experiences that our customers interact with and uh, experience every single day. Okay. And thank you, Brian. And, and Matt, let me ask you this. And <clears throat> is it, is it, I know we're competing with all industries and is, let me ask you, does the car business sometimes get a, get a bad rap with the re, in the respect of customer service? And obviously this is, this is one perspective in this, in this article, but um, looking at some of the things that Brian just brought up, I mean, I personally, you know, have had some bad experiences with customer service. We just switched uh, banks. And my wife would be great to have on the show. Our, our our bank was bought out by our company bank, our personal bank. We had about nine or ten accounts, and and uh, with uh, one particular smaller bank, they were bought out by a large bank for about a billion dollars. And that just happened. And the switchover took place this past week. I'm talking, you know, everything that you have your automatic debits coming through for your company. I mean, we had all these little deals, and so everything switched, and it was a nightmare. I mean, dealing with this, and the customer service literally sucked. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, but does my wife complain, but I'm wondering if, 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 if sometimes that, that doesn't show up on a survey and is that experience a lot of times met with Amazon, Google are, is it really as good as some people think, or are there challenges maybe in those experiences as well? And, and, and maybe weigh in on that and then kind of also just touch in on the subject in general. Let's get this thing started off. Uh, Matt Lasko. Well, you know, it's a, a dynamic question, David. Um, First off, I definitely think we're in different situations. It's very unique where we're a franchisee and a manufacturer has some goals. And somewhere between there, we've got to figure out how to make this customer happy enough to fill out something to their goals. Um, we and our, our industry have learned that really the, the true tell sign of satisfaction is loyalty. And so the reason I think this is so important for dealers to really get it, and we're a dealer that, that has bought in and learned more and more every year about what you gain from great experience and satisfaction, is it's going to cost us a ton of money to acquire new clients. So our best chance at that repeat and referral is through great customer satisfaction. Um, you know, as far as the industry getting a, 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 you know, a rough rub, I think one of the things you touched on at the very beginning that we fight is, as an industry, that was a reputation that, that definitely by earned, they, they did a pretty bad job through the beginning of the business when it really got into volume, people still come in with a, 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 you know, a shield up. Well, so then we go through the same battle. What I would say that we've learned the most as a company 
employee satisfaction also equates to customer satisfaction. So we didn't we didn't offer this wonderful environment that Apple can to an employee or Google can to an employee. So then you know a person that might not be that prime candidate will accept a little different, but then we might not expect the most out of that employee that we should. Mm -hmm. So finding that balance and really learning how to make our people happy has changed the ability to draw in a an employee that will offer a customer satisfaction. And and that's a battle just in itself, just like a customer having a shield up, hiring someone into a car dealership and making it seem cool also has its own challenge. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point, and, and that's actually a perfect segue from from what I know about uh, one of our other guests, David Moss, executive manager at Moss Nissan, and, and I had the privilege of being able to spend some time with you, David, and learning a little bit about you and your culture, your vibe. I mean, you're you're uh, you're a very, in a positive way, unique um, manager, and grew up in the auto business. And I'm assuming maybe that came from a who you are, and then b kind of experiencing, you know, being being a, a dealer's son. Um, as was Matt. But uh, David, you know, taking what Matt said and, and kind of starting with the employee, maybe making their job, you know, um, make, making that something they're passionate about. I mean, is, what, what's your thoughts on that as it, as it then connects to the customer's experience into your dealership? Well, I appreciate what you're saying, Dave. You're too kind. It was awesome spending some time with you too. But um, so this is about the customer, the customer experience. And one of the things that I got to witness growing up in the car businesses, watching how everybody, um, everybody who worked at the store, we all really became like a family, you know, and it started with my dad. He, he always liked to recruit people that were similar to him, same kind of personality, go-getter, young, energetic. And, uh, they, they created like a little football team. It almost seemed like, like we literally would play sports on Sunday mornings and have camaraderie. And it wasn't like a, a business. It was it was fun. We were having a good time. And that transferred over to our customers. And our customers seemed to really like that because we weren't sitting at the table with our with our knuckles on the table saying press hard three copies. We were we were just having fun with customers and I got to experience that my whole life. Well then I got an opportunity to leave the dealership and I started realizing the challenges that we faced because I started in the sales side of this pretty much right after the crash. Mm. And um and that, that always that makes things a little bit different when everybody's starting to panic in the business. It's, it starts to get a little crazy. Everyone starts to really try to, to uh, narrow down how to make things work smoother. So that was all I got to experience. I got to experience seeing things while things were good, but I got to experience it when things started getting pretty bad. So I learned real quickly that if you wanted to recruit top talent, you had to make it a fun environment for them. And one of the things that is kind of our niche because it's who we are is we, we run a faith-based operation. We don't just say it. We we legitimately are. Um, I, I'd rather not even say we run a faith-based operation and let people ask our employees how we do things. Mm-hmm. But what was really cool, what I found, it really transferred over to our, our customer experience turning up a lot, is we started really focusing on our team. We started focusing on making our team better people outside the walls of the dealership. And when we make them better people outside the walls, they become better people inside the walls, and you don't have to micromanage them as much they naturally want to serve their customers. And when they serve the customers, obviously that makes the experience better there. And it makes the customers uh, want to send more and more people to us because we're not the traditional car dealer, which is like, uh, like I've, I've heard is, is the kind of facade that everything is, uh, is put on. But um, one of the things I heard, I heard us talking about recruiting and I want to tell everybody something that we've been doing. that has been really cool is everybody probably uses like indeed 
and they post for jobs, and we do too. But we almost we rarely hire good talent from sites like that. I'll tell you guys what we've been doing that really seems to be working is we'll do we'll use social media and advertise we're having an open house sales workshop where if anybody they don't have to quit their jobs or anything they can literally show up. We do them a couple times a month, and I do them myself. I literally, literally sit there. We'll have 10, 15 people show up that from all different walks of life. They may not be the perfect candidate for a sales job, but we let them have an open forum and talk about what has to happen to sell a car um, and kind of talk about the myths of the car business. And I'll go over pay plans with them at the end and scheduling. And it's really cool because you get to show them who we are, uh, get it all out there on the table. It's not actually an interview. It's just a workshop. So we've hired a lot of really good, really good people from this. These are people we probably would never had the opportunity to hire. And they're turning into being our best employees with high customer satisfaction already in just a few months. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Hey, David, it's Ryan Mensuk. After you let the other guests speak, can I come back to yeah. the points uh, that have been made by, by, by uh, the, the first two speakers, please? A absolutely. absolutely. And I think absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to tee you up because, for that. <laughs> I, I, I think the challenge here is the stuff that David's talking about is super important, but it's, it's lipstick on a pig. It's just not going to, I mean, do you think Amazon's talking about hiring nice people to change to change or disrupt the industry? Do you think that that's a conversation that's going on inside of Google? They don't want to take over your dealership. They want to take over your industry. And, and we, we need to really start talking about the, the customer experience. And I know that that starts with the employees, but we have to look at the road to the sale and the 15 steps and the friction that we build into our systems uh, and, and really start looking at it from a disruptive uh, perspective, because what what uh, was was just being spoken about by by David, it's not scalable. It's just not scalable. And if his dealership is doing it, and a couple of other dealerships in his market are doing it, it's not going to do enough to change the perception that it takes too long to buy a car. There's too much friction. There's not enough transparency. Yeah, I, I think I see your point there with the um, with the scalable uh, thing. I think David is doing a great thing in his, at his store, but whether that's going to spread across the industry is another question. But let's go to Flo Lopez and and Flo. You know, uh, again, I'm I'm actually uh, I appreciate that Brian kind of challenged that that original sort of notion of hey, it's the second largest purchase, things like that. But let's go back to that for just a moment, and it'll probably tee up Brian for his next comment, but. Um, Flo, what about the client that walks in? You know, we're talking about surveys of how a customer would like to buy a car. Now we know that Amazon and, and Zappos and other, you know, Apple, they've, they've created great buying experiences. However, there are some dynamics within, this, within the dealership that we just cannot get around. So for example, um, you know, a client comes in and they want an easy process, but they have a trade. They want to negotiate on different things, different aspects uh, throughout this process. And even if we make the negotiation, uh, you know, as as gentle or as easy or as uh, kind of good as we can, um, the bottom line is a lot of people are going to be displeased that we didn't take their first offer. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Or it took too long to get the trade appraised when, by the way, we're trying to get more money for it because they said it wasn't enough. And that takes a little bit of time sometimes. The point is, isn't it a different dynamic? Because sometimes we are fight we're fighting hard for the customer. They don't even realize it. And they come back with these ridiculous surveys when we really did great things for them. Go ahead, Flo. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as far as what Brian was saying, also, you know, again, not 
uh, not taking it easy on, on our industry is that, and it's the old adage, you know, when we do go above and beyond, you know, they might tell a couple of people, they might tell five people if we're lucky, but we know how many people they will tell when somebody, you know, raised their voice or, or, or did something, you know, that obviously was outside the bounds, they'll tell 50, and that's not including every friend they have on social media, too. So there's, there's that other uh, dynamic that we're dealing with as well. And uh, on, sometimes I feel like the online experiences, because, yes, we're comparing the, the Zappos and the Amazon. You can only go so – they can't see the face sometimes. They can't uh, – you know, the, the manager, they can't see, you know, walk off, you know, with a grunt or something like that. So I know uh, we are comparing it, and we're in the same mix. But in some cases, we're, we're comparing, you know, the apples to, to lemons there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jess, I'm going to get you just, I'm going to let you just weigh in on anything you've heard so far and kind of just bring your first comment into this. And I'm going to go back to just and get Matt involved um, as well with some of the things that have been said. But uh, Jess, welcome to the show again. And um, you've heard it all. You've heard the comments. Where do you land on this? And maybe what can you bring into the conversation that maybe uh, from your perspective? Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me. Um, I think everything, I and mean, this is a people business. Um, people buy from people, and if there was a way right now in the time uh, where the manufacturers could eliminate dealerships, they would have done it by now. Um, so I, I believe that your culture and your, your team, um, the bigger and, you know, the better they are advocating and believing in what you do, will then in turn to your customers being not only loyal but also your advocates. Um, not to kind of, not to take away from the sales satisfaction and how long it takes, because there's a lot that we all have to do as dealers, but I think in the end, it really does come down to hiring the right people, making sure everybody's on the same page, managing the customer's expectations, and, you know, no word of mouth type promises and holding everybody accountable. Yeah. And having fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and Matt, let me ask you this, uh, Lasko, um, you know, I'm hearing what Brian says too, and I'm, and I'm not trying to... To tee, to tee you up to, to comment on that, but I, I'm thinking about a disruptor, and obviously this is a, war, a buzzword right now. I mean, it's always been around, but the word disruptor, just like the word brand and the word you know grind and all of these words you know are, are out there. Disruptor is being thrown around a lot, so let's use that word. Um, going back to the initial, and, and those of you that have been in this industry for a while, when Wayne Heisinga and the initial crew you know, started the initial concept of what AutoNation was. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, uh, they, they didn't land on their feet. You know, they, they landed flat on their back, and, and it miserably failed, and AutoNation had to go back to the uh, drawing board very quickly because, you know, they tried to maybe disrupt. And obviously, that's a risk taker. That's a business person. That's investment. That's just anything. Obviously, they're very wealthy people and, and uh, ultimately are on their feet, of course. But my point is, is that listening to some of the comments and obviously what Brian's saying makes, makes sense. But, but I mean, are we there yet? You know, is that, is that looking at it? Or, and again, is that maybe like looking at it from a New York City point of view, a big market that might be different in demographics compared to others? What's your take on this? And then what should we be looking at right now? and without also keeping our heads stuck in the sand? Well, I'd say, uh, all right, so disruptor-wise, here's one of the things that, that is really probably, in my eyes, the Amazons and the Googles or anyone that really, or the manufacturers that wanted to eliminate that middle tier of a, of a dealer. The genuine challenge is the auto industry is segmented out into 
counties, states, state laws, this bank law, this payoff rule, this so much that you can't scale out the necessity of car dealerships. So that's step one. As far as them, and, and you know, we're always, we, we talk all of the, the, I love Zappos. I've read their books. I, I'm a fan of Tony, the whole gig. Whoever else you want to go on to, Amazons, et cetera. The real truth is if you go, if you're, I'm a Starbucks fan. If you go into Starbucks time after time after time, 99 out of 100 of the people almost seem like their brother or sister. They're so personality equal. Well, Zappos, they have an amazing hiring process with this ridiculous profile that fits their people. Well, what I'm saying is, is the auto industry has to do the same thing inside of a car dealership that they have, and they've went after the best of the best. And we haven't. We used to hire the guy that had a good smile or could talk to people or that, that knew everyone in town and see what he could do. They found out what works. So we're supposed to study our best performing customer satisfaction salesperson or advisor or salespeople and evolve our people to be that good. So I, I think we're very fortunate at dealers is the scalability of our competitor to take us over is very challenged. And the necessity of us to fix cars, repair cars, appraise cars, deal with credit changes is probably what protects us. But in the end term, if we want it to be faster and we want people to be happier, it really comes down to people no matter what anyone wants to say. Okay. And let me throw something else out there too for for the discussion because as uh, somebody was speaking earlier, I wrote a couple of things down here, and I'll throw these out just to add to the mix of the conversation. I'll let Brian, David, all all you guys can comment on this. I was I was thinking about you know when somebody said loyalty, I'm not really sure who brought loyalty up, but somebody mentioned Matt. loyalty earlier. Was it Brian? Matt. I think it was Matt. Okay. And so I was thinking, and I wrote down OEM, and are they? maybe some of the problem and I, and I, here, here's where i went with it because you know we're talking about customer satisfaction and i know the dealership but but before there was a brand loyalty that doesn't exist like it used to and and, and if you don't believe that you go into any room where there's a hundred people and you say okay i'm gonna and you talk to them one on one one by one and you say give me the last five cars that you had by make they're probably going to name five different cars they're going to, you know, and it's going to be domestic and import. And, and, and so it's, it's kind of all over the place. And I think where there used to be more brand loyalty, that was on the OEM. Now it's on the dealer, you know, to not only be, uh, to, to draw them to the brand, but draw them to their, their company, which is their brand. So number one, it puts the onus on the dealer where before it didn't as much. And then secondly, I guess mixed in with that between purchases, how important is fixed operations? How important is that? To the you know there's a, there's a, a my wife has an SRT a Grand Cherokee SRT and she absolutely drives to the next county to get her car service because the the Dodge store you know here doesn't uh, you know they're not normally I guess used to dealing my wife's a you know discriminating customer maybe but the bottom line is they they don't know how to handle it and so um, and and so both of those situations where do they weigh in on this mix and I'll go to Brian Benstock on that you know as as well Brian. Um, on, on your comments. Well, well thank you very much. I, I, a couple of things. Um, I want to address comments uh, that were made before about uh, the diversity of our industry being across the country in different counties and different rules and different regulations. And that uh, the, the, I wrote down the term that they can't scale what we do. And I, I would say that's, boy, is that dangerous thinking. Um, Amazon can write a check and buy AutoNation tomorrow. Amazon can write a check 
and by uh, CarMax tomorrow. And they're in the new car and used car business cross-country overnight, and they paid cash. And, and they would control the major brands in the major markets. So I, I'd be really Warren, careful. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett already did that, and it really hasn't changed our world much. Um, well, you know, I, 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 Warren Buffett has put his toe in. Amazon is not likely to put their toe in. And again, I, I, I listen, those that don't see the disruption coming, um, they, they certainly can uh, continue doing way, business the way that they're doing them. You know, we can uh, talk specifically about what's going on in large cities. And let's take New York City, for example. Um, you know, the 6,000 6, businesses in the country went out of business last year, 6,000 retail business businesses. And businesses with familiar names like Honda, uh, and Nissan and Acura went out of business in New York City. And it's not because the market uh, can't afford a Nissan or a Honda a dealership uh, in New York City. It's because customers are consuming transportation differently than they did in the past. And so all this talk about employee empowerment and stuff is, is, is a nice conversation. Uh, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm, I'm sitting five miles away from a Honda dealership that couldn't sell a thousand cars a year five miles away from me because uh, customers find it less expensive to use Uber than to buy or lease a new car. And in fact, if you drive less than 11,000 miles a year in New York City, then it's less expensive to use Uber and or uh, Lyft uh, than, than buying a car. So that, that disruption is not coming. Hey, it's here. Brian, it's coming to a city near you. Let me ask, let me in ask, in addition, let me ask in, you a question. In addition, Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you a question, and you can you can just and, and answer this. This is something that came in on. Well, and I'll read something that came in on social media just now from Colin Colin Crane, who was uh, formerly with Carvana. He actually commented, I guess, on the AutoNation comment that I said. But I think it plays into a question I would ask you about what you're talking about now, and then and then maybe you can respond to it and finish it. it says he said AutoNation didn't fail because they were a disruptor or a risk taker with the first version of AutoNation USA. They failed because they underestimated how easy it would be to copy CarMax. So my question is, if Amazon, I don't think anybody disputes they could buy it, but can they manage it? Meaning buying it, wouldn't they just be buying the people, buying the same things and just owning it, but yet the day-to-day -day operation is going to be has to be done through training and has to be done through operations and has to be done through on the ground level. I mean, a few years ago, Starbucks, I mean, this is a decade, over a decade ago, before when they brought their, their CEO back because there was an issue from the top to the bottom. I, and I was, I recalled at that time, not knowing this, um, that, that my drink that I ordered, the, the, the latte that I ordered at that time was tasted different at different Starbucks. And I was like, man, this is weird. You know, I go to one Starbucks, my assistant would run to another and it would just taste different. And so I remember shortly after continuing to think that way that they brought their, their stock was falling and they brought their CEO back because they were, they had a bottleneck in the middle management where his message of quality was not reaching the store levels. And so my, my question is, would we not have that same challenge possibly with Amazon, wouldn't they have that same issue? Well, I love what you mentioned about um, uh, AutoNation failing. I remember when AutoNation first came out, 
everybody was talking about uh, the impossibility of public corporations doing what we do because we are very different than public corporations. Each one of our transactions is negotiated one at a time, and they'll never be able to do it. And lo and behold, the auto nations, the Sonics, and many of the other publics are doing quite quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, Amazon's ability to train uh, people, and uh, I think they do a pretty good job with that. But you know, most for the most part, what Amazon does is they eliminate people. Uh, can you call Amazon? What's Amazon's telephone number? I don't know what the telephone number is. What they've done is they've eliminated the need to contact people to uh, conduct uh, retail business, whether that's an exchange or a purchase. Google, the same thing. Give me Google's telephone number. Uh, they, they don't have one. And you don't need, they, they, they've eliminated that process. And so when people were talking about how important people are, I, of course it's our best commodity, uh, our people, but the number one thing dictating loyalty is not customer satisfaction, it's not cookies, it's term. The shorter the term, the greater the loyalty, period. And uh, we, we uh, you know, we, we keep taking the poison pill with 72-month terms and 84-month terms, and it's the exact opposite of what all of us want. We want, would you take a 72-month term for your cell phone, an 84-month term for your cell phone? It'd be ridiculous. Even if you got a great rate on a monthly basis, but you were locked into that same exact technology for 84 months, you'd never do it. And in fact, the world is going in the opposite direction. We went from uh, purchases to leases to now fractional ownership to uh, the ability to trade out of a car every week uh, on a subscription model to Uber, you're paying for the ride. So, you know, I think perhaps the industry is missing the message that loyalty is dictated by term and flexibility. Why do customers like Uber? They have shared control of the process. They pick the driver, they pick the car, they pick the location, they pick the, uh, the destination. And yeah. I, I think the more control that we can turn over to the consumer, the less that we rely on the inconsistencies of uh, consumer experience at the hands of poorly trained sales staff, I think the, the closer we'll get to making a meaningful difference in, in our uh, customer satisfaction uh, scores. And again, I, I, we have very good customer satisfaction scores. We have a, an excellently trained, a well-trained staff, but the changes that are coming in the industry are going to require that we think completely differently. And all this talk about customer empowerment and having our people treat customers nice will have an impact, but it's still not going to enable us to keep up with the major disruption that's going on. Yeah, thank you, Brian. This is such an intriguing conversation. I want to go back to David Moss, and I want to remind our audience also that even though we have some difference of opinions on the panel, that each of these dealers are doing amazing things in their own markets. So uh, extremely successful dealerships. Let's go to one of them right now, David Moss. Why don't you weigh in on what you've heard? Well, I, you know, Brian, I can agree with some of the things you're saying because in New York, it is a totally different market. I, I've got some of my best friends that I grew up with here in Orlando that moved up to New York for business. And I, I mean, I've sold them cars and they're asking me, can, can I buy the car back from them? Because they don't need one in New York. You know, it's a big city, lots of traffic really no point in owning a vehicle because cost of owning a vehicle up there and everything to do with uh, owning a car is just expensive up there. So I definitely agree with what you're saying in your market. However, that hasn't reached here. It doesn't mean we need to, you know, put the blinders over our eyes and hope it'll never happen. But one of the things that I've always kind of, it's always just rolled around in my brain on the Amazon thing is I know a lot of people really do want to get in automotive because there's a lot of, there's a lot of profit in automotive. There's a lot of money in the automotive. 
you don't have to really go to school to make a good living in automotive, um, which has been, you know, awesome for so many people, probably including a lot of people listening, a lot of people on the phone right now. But the average transaction price on Amazon is, is $47. It's not, you know, most people that I talk to, and I talk to people, I'm sure just like all of you guys, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of my friends make decent money, and a lot of them use Amazon. But really when it gets to like that $500 threshold, you kind of want to go to the store and, and, and get someone's opinion. Um, hey, I, I, I got to just jump in for a quick second. If people in your neighborhood are using Amazon, I don't care where your neighborhood is, you are subject to being disrupted because those people are learning what it is to have a frictionless transaction. Brother, I, I'm an Amazon user. I'm with you. What I'm talking about is, is, is most people, not everybody, uses Amazon. doesn't mean they're going to go buy a car on Amazon. Um, you know, we, I, I, in my experience, we, we can agree to disagree, but in my experience, if it gets over that $500 threshold, people tend to want to touch and feel what they're buying. Don't you agree? It, I mean, New York well, well, let, 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 No, New York's not different, but I, I do think things happen uh, here first. Um, we've serviced. We've been beta testing, bringing service to customers' front door, picking up their car, servicing it overnight, and bringing it back to them in the morning. We've done 10,000 service visits at the dealership without the customer ever coming to the store. Let me put that 10,000. We've aggregated over over $4 million in gross profit without the need for the customer to come to the dealership. So all of this nice stuff that we're talking about, customer employee empowerment and hiring is great, but the consumers are able to, to do the transaction of servicing their car without ever talking to a human being. And, and we're making better use of the consumer's time. Why do we require customers to come to our dealership with their car and babysit it while we, sell, while we service the car? There's just no point to it. And, and, I'm, and I'm not, I understand we're in a people business, but the, uh, for something as mundane as an oil change or a tune-up, why the heck do we require that our customers come to us? It takes eight minutes to make an appointment online. You wait on the line outside the dealership for an average of 22 minutes. You take 15 minutes to get written up. You wait there for an hour, and then the, the service advisor comes out and tells you you need to get this, this, and this in addition to what you just had. The customer always answers with the same two questions, how much and how long. They don't like either of the answers and they put off that business so so i, I think it's i think it's this time we, we we wake up and, and that's that's coming to your neighborhood too so i i think if we start it, i think to, it, uh, to, you, matt do you i mean to, is it to, to, is that matt i mean is disrupt that ourselves will prevent yeah. ourselves from being disrupted hey, thanks for your opinion brian matt are you selling a lot of those customers that, brian are you selling those customers that you're doing the courtesy pickups for because we do that too are you selling a lot of them cars? Or how are you able to do the whole service to sales kind of handoff deal? Come on, man. We're, 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 selling, we're selling 130 cars a month out of the service lane. Uh, you know, I think you treat people right. They, they don't have a choice. They won't do business anywhere else. And we're not charging them for the pickup and the delivery. Uh, you, you, we've got to make such a compelling, you, you know, loyalty. You want loyalty? Earn it. And you're going to have to do things that nobody else is willing to do. So, if, if we had to go out and rebuild Starbucks, you would never do what they do. They put a damn Starbucks on every corner in Manhattan. And you would say, man, that's too many. They want to make it, they have such a compelling reason. You've got to do business. Everywhere you turn, they're there. We can do the same thing. 
We can put a, a, a Honda dealership on every corner in Manhattan so long as we take our service and bring it directly to the customer. I'm talking about disruption on purpose. I'm talking about not being disrupted, but we, us, being the disruptors. <laughs> of our own industry before it happens to us. Okay, uh, so you sound uh, passionate. Yeah, he's a little bit passionate. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, hey, we're gonna. Hey, it. hey, it's a great yeah, conversation. Right, let's 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 go. Let's go back to Matt. Let's go back to Matt because I think also Brian has a great point, and it was brought up earlier I that it's a great. It's it, it, it's a. Uh, it was brought up earlier that there's so much money in this industry, and we are sort of a target for uh, disruption. So Matt, you you've heard the comments. Go ahead and weigh in. Well, yeah, I, th there's money and risk in the auto industry both ways, and I think that's why not everybody has jumped into it. And yes, I, I, I mean, 100%, if you're in a market like Manhattan that has, you know, 10,000 people in a block, you can pull things off like that. But there's still the same scenario of the rest of America. And many people have never been in a market that has the average credit score of a 470 that had to take a bus to get to the dealership to get their first CAC loan or whatever it may be. I, I appreciate the efforts of disrupting in, in your major city or your market. But what I would say is, is that also does not hit the ratio of the rest of the dealers in the world. So what they have to do right now is, is prepare for what they're going to do in the next one year, three year, five years, and 10 years, and how are they going to continue business. And you're all going to find your way. I, I, I'm sure some of you are going to drop a car off in service. We, we, we're happy to do that for any customer we have, but at the same time, we don't overpress it because we really enjoy having our customer at our dealership to see my 200 used cars that they might drive past or to drive the new model that's in while they're borrowing my car to get their car serviced. So there's plus and minuses to all those angles. Matt, Matt, they, don't want to drink, Matt they don't want to drink your bad coffee. They don't want to eat your okay, bad well, bagel. No, no, they don't so want to watch what you have on television. I'm pretty confident if I walk into your dealership, knowing the gentleman that I hear, I'm hearing on the phone, you probably have a pretty ridiculous blow my service department away waiting room with fancy coffee pods and all the other stuff. What I'm telling you is, is I sit inside of my dealership a minimum of 60 hours a week. My client clients enjoy every part of what they do. I get Instagram pictures of people in the in the lounge telling me how happy they are that they're in the building. These things happen at, at Ford stores too, out in the Kentucky, Kentucky, Michigan. What I'm telling you is is that there's a lot of dealers out there that do need to focus on people. And I promise you, in order to do 10,000 oil changes like you've done, that's an amazing job. You must have had some people to do it. So we can all point back and forth, and I can make, tell you that I'm happy you're trying to disrupt. What I'm trying to do is actually conform to my market and my people. And by doing so, we're thriving. And my staff is the happiest I've ever been. My turnover is the lowest I've ever seen. And my loyalty at the store is the highest it's ever been. I mean, we're just a couple little guys. Heck, I got a Mitsubishi store a little while ago in Grand Lake, Michigan. And that, that's in Flint Market. And all of a sudden, they're like 13th in the nation this month. So we might not know what we're talking about. And, and you might know what you're talking about in Manhattan more. We're, we're just a couple country guys. Trying to make people happy. Guys, 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 I'm not pitting. I'm a dealer. You're a dealer. We're on the same team. There is a, uh, there's irrefutable facts that there's a consolidation that's going on. And the big 
dealer groups are going to continue to get bigger, and it's going to be more difficult for the smaller dealer groups around the country to, to, to survive. But that is, suggest- talk about that. Talk about something. I about am talking about. So I, I am. I am. But not talking about talking about the stores and everything. They can't do it. No, no, no. I'm not talking. Wait. No, what I'm talking about is better serving our customers and blowing their minds. And and it, this applies in a small market or a large market. Uh, I think David spoke about his wife goes to another county to have a car service because it's better. What if what if she didn't have to go anywhere? What if she said, I'm not using the car after 7 o'clock at night. They pick up the car at 7.30 at night, and they bring it back to her in the morning before she goes to work. I, I mean, that, I think that plays out in 40, any market. It could be a 43-mile drive. And the little dealer that's servicing 21 cars a month doesn't have the capacity or cash to do that. So they then have to do it in other ways, which means when someone that, calls, well, let me, let me, let me, let me just, et cetera. So and I love, and I, things where can, I think can, you have can we, can we have a lot of the other have a, in the world? Let's have a reasonable debate, okay? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, brother. We wear the same uniform. We're both dealers. Brian, well, Brian, Brian, 75, Brian. Wait, 75% <laughs> of our service business our, all of our, 75% is being taken over by the independents. I am not talking about you going after your fellow brother or sister dealer. I'm talking about taking back that business from the independents. And the only reason the independents are there is because of proximity and convenience. That's why they have 75% of a $550 billion a year industry. And I want to take that back from them. And hey, why do you think Amazon's well, getting into the service gonna, business first? Brian. They see $540 yeah. billion dollars of Brian, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in here real quick because you gotta get, I want to get Jess in on it, but I want to say one thing. And, and listen, we only have five minutes and the show's over anyway, but I, I do want to say one thing. This is Dave Villa. Again, I'm just speaking for my own personal self. I just don't complain. I complain to you. I complain to David. I complain to the people around me You know about it a little bit. I complain to my wife, but I don't have time to get online and complain to Amazon. Look, I order stuff for, um, I can't remember what it was, not too long ago. I ordered some belts from like Neiman Marcus or something. I didn't want to go anywhere. Like I, I'm the kind of guy that would do that. And you know what? I complained like every day to my wife told me to stop complaining. She's tired of hearing it because one of my belts took like three weeks through Amazon because they, and they kept changing the date on me. I was pissed. If that's the customer service that Amazon's going to bring to the car business, they're going to run into the same problem no matter how much money they have. And I guess that's the probably the point. They could buy it. And yes, they can train people, but people get ticked off at Amazon every day. But like David said, David Moss, if the average spend is 47 bucks, I'm not going to take my time to complain over 47 bucks, but you better believe I'll complain over $25,000, $30,000, $50,000 if they jack that up. And so that's, I think that there's a challenge, and we're back to the customer service issue that I'm not sure really gets solved if, if, if we get taken over because they're going to run into the same challenges. And here's my experience because I've hired a lot of people to, to, to sell automotive dealerships. I sell dealerships, which is a rung up from like grabbing a Bengal tiger by the testicles and living. Okay. It's that hard. It's that hard. You guys are the hardest people to sell. And I've hired people from other industries. They've miserably failed. Some of them have left crying and they've sold stocks. They've sold pharmaceuticals, but they can't sell dealers. So all I'm saying is that maybe Amazon would go, will get into an industry and realize that, man, this is a little bit harder than I thought. That's all. I, that's, I think that that customer services you still might be there. And Jess, I'm going to let you comment, Jess, and I'm sorry about the testicle comment. Go ahead, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. 
Um, I just feel that the experience is the new product. And whether, I mean, every dealership here has a different um, and unique market. It's really just knowing what your market is and who your customers are and what they want. Um, and what we do is we go out and we ask our customers what they would prefer us to do, if there's anything that we can do to increase our, our their experience with working with our store. Um, gotten really good feedback from, um, you know, from our community and stuff like that. But I do think that, you know, whether or not um, the, the customer, obviously, the, the time is like the new price. And I, I understand where we're talking about, you know, making everything super easy and ordering cars online. Um, but I do think that the experience is the emotional tie, which is, you know, we all know 80% of the purchase um, decision. And that's all that's all coming from our people and, and how the customer is, you know, their experience and how, how we made them feel. Hmm. Yeah, thanks. Yes, I think those are great points. I love that that quote that you that you just uh, mentioned about time being the new price. So we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap it up. We're actually running over. What a spirited uh, show today! It was amazing. I want to give each of the panelists, really, if you could, 15, 20 seconds, just a closing comment. We'll start with Brian, then we'll go to Jess, David, Flo, and Matt. Go ahead, Brian. The future is frictionless. We have to take the friction out of doing transactions. The future of retail is frictionless. And the more that we can take friction out, the more business we can do. Thank you, Brian, and congrats on your success there. Uh, Jess, closing comment. I would just uh, point out, like, know your audience. Um, the person sitting across from you, your, you know, your community that your dealership was in, and just make sure that you're, you know, doing what you're supposed to do for what they want. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jess, and congrats on your success. And we'll go to David Moss. I would just say to love on your people and teach them to love on your customers, and then your customers are going to love on you, and that's it. Great, great point, David. Thank you. Congrats on your success. We'll go to Flo Lopez. Hey, guys, thanks again for the opportunity to be on the show. I just want to uh, build one last uh, Second, on what Brian said, I believe the future is frictionless. Let's let the manufacturers know that, and let's make an easy survey for these people. I take an Uber, and I click on stars. These people have to do it like they're doing their taxes just to say they had a good time. So that's my closing. <laughs> uh, your, uh, Flo, I think, every, I think everyone's high-fiving you on that one. I think we all feel that. So uh, gr uh, congrats on your success. Matt, would you close us out, please? So, well, thanks for having us on. It's a great topic. I mean, first off, any dealer listening, I hope you're listening because you want to deliver a better experience and have better customer satisfaction. That's the, the truth of your future. If you can't do that, you won't succeed. And, uh, frictionless, yes, uh, that, that's great for all of us. Um, all I would say is, is be in your building. Be there to answer the phone when people want help. Be there to help them when they're in need and someone else can't. And you'll be the one that they look to when they need you for something in the automotive world. All right. Amen. All right. Thank you so much yes. to all of you for uh, spending time with us today. Great, great topic, great discussion, and uh, I think it deserves another round. So um, I look forward to having you guys back on again. Hopefully you guys have a great Thursday and a wonderful weekend. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. You. All right, so let's oh, – go ahead. No, great. What? <laughs> great panel. I, I feel I like I need a towel to dry off. No, I need like a nap Ooh. or something. Like, I'm like, you know. Hey, that was awesome, man. Great discussion. I love your comments. We've got some winners, Dave. We've got some winners. We're giving right. away. If you didn't, uh, man, I'm sorry if you didn't get in on this earlier. If you shared the show today, which we had a lot of shares, right, Taria? Had a lot of shares. So um, we picked some winners. We're giving away a copy of 
the uh, sales pros get paid. Hot off the presses. Amateurs don't. This is uh, just released last month. It's actually not even. It's going to be on. Speaking of Amazon, yeah. it's going to be on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, Powell's Books. Um, within the next week or so, it'll be available on all those outlets. Right now, you can only get it right here. I'll sign this for you. Have it your way. Sales pros get paid. Amateurs don't. Um, also, my first book that was released uh, last year, uh, Lead or Be Lunch. The Power of Earning Influence, which is available uh, on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, Books A Million, Powell's. And you're gonna, uh, we're going to give this away. And then we got four hats here. We're going to give away sales, uh, Serial Sales Academy hat with a little logo of the face there. Got a signature on the back. We've got an IPD hat with a si- signature on the back. We got the hat for this book, Sales Pros Get Paid, Amateurs Don't Bull. On it says Sales Pros Get Paid, and we got a leader be lunch. So let's announce the winners. I don't know why I went through all of those. All right, ready? I love it. Here we go. We got Chris Olson. We got Chris Olson. We got John McAdams. McAdams. Come on down. Marissa Molnar. Red. Is that red? Wins a book. Come on, somebody. Emily Bauer. Come on down. Woo, rock star at at, uh, Dealer Authority. (laughs) We got Scott. Scott Petroni. I know Scott. He's a BDC bandage, but Scott... Petrosoni. 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 Petr- well, we didn't butcher your name, Scott. <laughs> I'm sure we did since we said it three different ways. And then Melissa Hibdon. All right. I'm going to read it one more time. we got Chris Olson, John McAdams, Marissa Molnar, Emily Bauer, Scott Petrosoni, and Melissa Hibdon. You guys are the winners. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, thank you guys for hanging out. Dave, what a great show. Oh, awesome show. I'm glad to be back, man. You're glad to have you back, brother. Appreciate you, my yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys next week. See ya.